Okay, so the first question and the second question also actually, but the first question is from Sri Radha from Brighton. Okay. Hare Krishna, my humble obeisances, Maharaj. Uh, this is, I think it's a silly question, but it's a question I, 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 I've often wondered about. <clears throat> what I've noticed is that animals come to devotees and why they come, I'm wondering if this is their last journey before they move on. I mean, in my home, I've got a cat called Bolo mm -hmm. and I have uh, Prabhupada chanting all the time. And when I stroke uh, Bolo, he purrs away, but I chant Hare Krishna to him all the time. And I, my question is, I know it's silly, but my question is, do they come to devotees as sort of a moving on before they um, into maybe a, a human form? Is that why mm -hmm. they come to devotees? Mm -hmm. Okay. A brief story. One one day at Audaria, I looked out the window and there was a peacock in the forest. And I thought, look, this is a peacock in the forest, you know. So I tried to follow him and he went around the, the mountainside and so forth. And he just stayed near the top. And I called a couple of the devotees and said, look, there's a peacock out here. And then he came onto the property. Well, he was on the property at the time, but he came onto the developed areas and he's uh he's been there for uh 15 years never never goes anywhere he's a, he's a brahmachari um so <laughs> so you have to uh think about such animals in a in a uh in light of their um previous lives and so forth and so it is with all the devotees um animals i would say uh, there are some famous uh, animals in South India, famous elephants um, that uh, um, involved with, uh, or a famous elephant, I recall, uh, involved with uh, one of the uh, Vishnu temples there. I forget all the details of that, um, but uh, uh, he... Uh, it's definitely, it's obvious that he's uh, a devotee. There are some famous birds. Where's that place? Pakshi Tirtha must be. Um, what is the story there? The birds come every year, two birds. Ah, oh, my memory's not so good now these days. I can't recall, Paramananda but anyway. Paramananda is saying, mm -hmm. it's, uh, is saying it's Guru Vayar temple. Guru Vayar for the elephant, yeah. But oh. There's Pakshi, Tir Pakshi Tirtha where there's two birds that come every year at a certain time. I forget, I forget the Leela for that, but it's, you know, connected to Vishnu and Vaishnavism and so forth. Um, so anyway, there are many special, uh, instances of that. And every, uh, and it said the cats and the dogs in the house of Srivastakur were liberated. Um, it's mentioned at Chaitanya Charitamrita. So I think we should look at it, um, in that way. Certainly they, they've, they've taken birth as animals or birds or for whatever reason, but they have a past that, um, enables them to connect with devotees. Uh, another example that comes to mind, of course, is, is the whole of India, if you will, which is its secular name, Bharat is its original name for that land mass, the subcontinent, after Maharaj Bharat, um, who 
left the world and entered the Himalayas as we began um, as a devotee and um, pursued the, the solitude that the mountains provided and uh, the conducive nature um, that they uh, provided for bhajan. But when he saw a, a deer crossing the river chased by tiger and captured by the tiger, but giving birth and the fawn was born motherless, then he naturally out of compassion took care of the fawn, but became distracted by the fawn. And of course, um, uh, fell to his death, um, preoccupied with the fawn. He took birth as a deer himself, but as a deer, Deers have very good hearing, of course. Um, so he positioned himself near within the forest enough, near enough that he could hear the recitation of the Bhagavatam by sages. Hmm? This was Bharat Maharaj. So he, you know, he, he knew that he was who he was and how he got there. He was able to re- remember from his, pre- his previous life and so forth. And after that, of course, he became born as Judd Bharat, and, and so the story goes. Um, so there are many nice examples of this. Yeah. So we should we should see that yeah that your your, your cat will be born in a devotee uh, as a devotee, a human form as a devotee, and his or her next life. I've never hmm. had to look for a cat. They've always been no. given to me. So uh-huh. they sort of clicked on me once I came into Krishna consciousness, that they've been given by Krishna so that they can move on. Mm-hmm. And this speaks uh, to us about the, the efficacy, the power of bhakti. As I've often said and underscored, bhakti is governed by the nirguna, not by the tamaguna, rajaguna, or sattvaguna, the modes of nature, but by the transcendental um, atmosphere um, and influence of the um, Krishna's in- internal energy, whereas the material nature is, consists of the three three gunas, Thomas, Rajas, and, and Sattva. And um, so because bhakti is governed by that which is eternal, the results that we accrue, if you will, from practicing bhakti are also eternal. Um, now, they might not manifest all at once, but they're eternal. So, in other words, because of contact with bhakti, even in an animal life, then one will derive benefit. Or in a human life, in contact with bhakti, if one happens for one reason or another to take birth as an animal or a bird or something, as some of these examples that we're giving, um, that bhakti stays with them. That wouldn't happen if they were close to hatha yoga or jnana yoga or, or they were associated with uh, other kind of sages, um, not um, themselves under the influence of bhakti. So there are many, again, there are many stories like this, many examples of this. And they're, they're, your question is not a silly question at all. And if we look carefully at it, we, we examine it, we have to come to this kind of conclusion that the, that the, um, the power of bhakti is such that the results derived from associating even on, in some instances, un, unknowingly with bhakti, are permanent, and they show up, and they may show up even in the less complex uh, forms of life, in the ways in which we're talking about, 
but are nonetheless obvious um, to um, to those who um, uh, pay, pay pay attention to such animals and their lifestyles and and uh, affinity for uh, devotional atmosphere, devotees, uh, prasadam, and so on and so forth. Hmm? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your question. There's a couple of nice comments in the chat. Chidahari says, the birds were said to have been there from the time of Sri Ram, the temple you mentioned. And mm-hmm. then Kanaram says that in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnadas Kariraj says that even Sarabhama's dog is dear to Lord Chaitanya. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so the next question is from Amrit Gopal, also from Brighton. Hare Krishna, dear Vaishnavas, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Kimonache. Hello. Reading the fifth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, there's a, a verse and purport that has intrigued me. Um, I think partially because I work in an atmosphere that um, is comprised of very opulent, uh, very materially opulent people. Um, but just the just the verse, um, the sense enjoyment of the demigods is, some, is somewhat disturbed, but the residents of the planets, the subterranean heavenly planets, uh, they enjoy life without disturbances. Thus, they are understood to be very attached to illusory happiness. And in the Pupur, uh, Srila Prabhupada calls uh, these fools, the mudhas, um, because they are engaged in material happiness, um, because it's temporary, they are, um, they are, they're candidates for the mercy of the Vaishnavas. So my question is, is that why is it that, uh, the illusory energy causes a soul to forget? Why is opulence sometimes the cause of forgetfulness? And the second part of that question is, how can I constantly remember this? Because I'm finding that even subtly, sometimes I see the opulence of uh, these materially engrossed people. Sometimes I think it must be because they were pious in their previous life and they're experiencing the fruits now. Um, but their forgetfulness, of course, how is it that they, they've forgotten? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, um, I think that um, the, as Gita Bhagavad Gita says, Bogaishvarya Prasaktanam Teapichetasam, we have a Seatmikapuna, Buddhir, Samadhuna, Vidhiyate, Bogaishvarya, Boga, enjoyment, Aishvarya, opulence, Bogaishvarya Prasaktanam Teapichetasam, we have a Seatmikapuna, it uh, the um, such uh, material facilities, if you will, comforts and so forth. Um, obviously, they uh, tend to uh, absorb us in, make us feel more comfortable, relatively speaking, in our material bodies. Mitigate the distress of the material body to some extent, right? Um, and which when it's not medicated, it serves as considerable negative impetus for, you know, finding a, 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 a solution. They find a, the material opulence provides kind of a stopgap, a temporary uh, solution of sorts. 
to the natural built-in negative impetus of material nature, which uh, makes us feel out of place and, and uncomfortable and in search for something more than what meets the eye and the mind. So that kind of third eye, if you will, is going to close down by material opulences and, and comfort. So the Gita says, so those who are too much attached to enjoyment and aishvarya, they cannot attain they don't have one, one mindedness of focus that's required for attaining samadhi. So samadhi, samadhi, they can't attain it. So there's two things being mentioned here. I mean, on the one hand, one hand, material opulence, bogaishvarya, it and its pursuit, if you will, um, is um, causes the intellect to be, in the language of the Gita, many branched or the mind. Just like modern society is is really promoting, in many respects, the idea of material opulence being, you know, the goal, right? If you have money, well, you're famous, right? Um, and 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 suddenly your your opinion counts. Um, um, and um, and and within the context of that material well-being well it's just endless how many possibilities if you want to pursue comfort through material well-being well we're, we you know there's no end to that right and this is the problem you know the, today largely that there's just too many choices there's just too many choices um, it becomes disturbing to the, the the mind but and and that's not conducive to the antithesis of that I say the other side the one-mindedness that's required um, for uh, spiritual pra- pra- practice, hmm? so you can't. Um, I think that you you can't expect to have knowledge while pursuing ignorance. Hmm? Some people say, "Why don't I remember my previous life?" Um, well, you might be able to, <laughs> but you're going about it in a, in a way that is not possible hmm? because we're pursuing. You know the antithesis of um, of a of a, of a spiritual life and an underlying facts that I've had. You know, many lives, material life. We're born into um, ignorance. The very I, the very cause of our birth materially is not knowledge; it's ignorance. So, kind of, how can you expect to have knowledge in the pursuit of um, of ignorance? We can give you a theoretical and say, here's the theory. You're, you're actually not this body. You had a previous life and a previous life and a previous life. So that's a theory, right? Um, now, why can't I remember it? Well, you can't remember it to the extent that you're pursuing the, the, the ignorance that that repeated births arise out of. If you want to know, well, it's possible. And, and then you can, you know, to begin with, you have to, well, so come to know the self. Hmm? So know, know what the self is. And then you may know about your previous birth, or you may think it's not that important. <laughs> They're just passing, you know, uh, phases of, um, that are superficial, uh, to, uh, what, what, what I am and so forth. Um, 
you know, just to go on that for a second, you know, why don't, why don't you remember your previous lives? Well, I wasn't trying to, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate on this life in, you know, in, in, in bringing an end to repeated birth and death. Um, uh, you know, if you go to these, uh, you know, whatever hypnotic regression systems, uh, sessions to find out what your previous birth is, you usually find that you were, you know, an Egyptian king or, you know, or, you know, you know, if you play it out, it doesn't make a lot of karmic sense if you were such and such. And how come you're, you know, born, you know, in, in Britain in this family? <laughs> you know, I thought you were you were a Danish king previously. You know, you know. So, and everybody was, you know, or whatever. Um, I'm 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 generalizing, but not in, in doing so, not giving a lot of credence to such, um, um, you know, pursuits. If you want to pursue what you were in your previous life, why don't you pursue first what you are? And the fact that you change lives. Anyway, so I'm speaking in, in, in a broader way, but I think it, it holds up. Um, yes, you can say, um, that there was a piety in people's lives to have, if in this life, from the previous life to this life, they're experiencing material opulences and so forth. Um, I met a, uh, I was once visiting with Chaitanya Goswami of the Radharaman uh, Goswamis, and we were talking about a fellow um, who uh, was a classmate of his and had become a, a spiritual uh, teacher in the in the West, and he had adopted uh, bhakti at a certain point, and. Uh, he was getting a following and, and so forth, but he asked Chaitanya Goswami to come with him to the West because he didn't really know Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wanted Chaitanya Goswami, who was, a, who was learned, to give classes and so forth. And Chaitanya Goswami chuckled and said, you know, he doesn't have any, you know, he's doing this because he finds, oh, Hare Krishna is popular, so I'll, I'll be that, you know. And, and, he, and he did his own version of of uh, Krishna consciousness, but he wasn't really grounded in, initiated in, uh, you know, the sampradaya and so forth. And but the man was fabulously uh, wealthy and had a lot of followers and so forth. So Chaitanya Goswami chuckled and said, "Yeah, he doesn't have any knowledge, and uh, and he he has all this piety that's bringing him this attention, money, and followers and so forth, and spending it all, you know, in this life." What will the next life be? Was his, you know, was his query appropriately so? Um, so yeah, it's true that uh, uh, that's a little bit different because he was, you know, some type of a sadhu. But people get material opulence and from what they've done in the past. So you know, why do they forget? Well, I've given you know a broader example. Why we why we forget? <laughs> um, you know, what what are you going to remember? What you you know. You, why do you forget at all your previous life? I've explained. So the same holds true um, for such people. Um, and then you have to, you know, you have to teach them that um, this is the teaching of the Veda. If you want material opulence, this is how you get it. But it, it, how you get it is the opposite. You know, you, you have to be pious. You, know, you have to be self-sacrificing. Um, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's, it's the fruit of that. 
So it would appear in the world today that that's not necessarily the case, that you can get material opulence by cheating other people. You can get ahead by stepping on the heads of others and so on and so forth, which really does not result in it. The result that you're getting is actually due to your previous life. And because the way you're conducting yourself is, 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 is such that will accrue the opposite well in the next life. So this is just a microcosm of what we say, the, how macrocosmically this works, that if you, if you very um, piously conduct yourself with a goal of attaining Swarga, the celestial realm, well, that you can go there and live for, you know, eons, if you will. Um, but then again, come down, right? Up and down. So in a microcosm of that, so people are, are, are doing that. And their heaven is, well, they may attain, you know, a opulent situation in this world, but not understand where it comes from. You know, we, we are, we're there teaching theoretically and so forth, but it's hard to drown, to speak over the microphone of materialism and consumerism, materialism as a philosophy, consumerism as a, as a resultant uh, way of life, hmm? that um, if your philosophy is that there's nothing more to life than whatever you want to make out of it, and, uh, then, you know, that's a recipe for doing whatever's necessary to get material opulence, basically. Um, so, as I say, the con- consumerism is is largely driven by a, an overriding materialistic uh, philosophical perspective that's the dominant you know paradigm philosophically in the world even though most people aren't uh, philosophical nonetheless they they're influenced by that and they conduct themselves um accordingly so i hope that helps okay Hare Krishna. <laughs> another question I had a quick comment. It's interesting because you were saying like, why don't people remember their past lives? It's because of ignorance and all that. So my nephew, actually, he's one of those okay. kids. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So he's one of those kids who remembers or remembered his past life, but he has nothing to do with Krishna consciousness or spirituality. But he actively wanted to forget that he remembered it because he it made him weird in the so-called Different. normal so even yeah. if you don't have the avidya covering your remembrance of your past life, the avidya tries to cover it even in this life, if you remember. And that, that was really interesting. And for me, it was like inconceivable that he didn't put it together, that if he remembers his past life, the person that he's right now is not his actual self. And he really, he, you know, it was too much for him. But anyway, so the next question, yeah. <laughs> the next question is from uh, Krishna Chaitanya. All right, Krishna. We can hear you. Oh, good. Uh, My question is about uh, a thing in the Bhajan Rahasya, and it's that part. Maybe I'll just read your translation of the part and then ask the question. Um, One should next become mature in one's worship on the basis of the first four verses of the Shikshastakam before accepting one's spiritual body and the fifth verse. With this verse, one begins to take shelter of Srimati Radharani's lotus feet in the Siddhadeha and then make gradual progress. By the time one has reached the sixth verse, one's contaminations have pretty much disappeared, and one therefore has the right to worship in one's Siddhadeha. 
If anyone tries to meditate on his spiritual body without having this qualification, his intelligence will be turned upside down due to his lack of strength. So my question about this is, um, what are what are some examples of trying to meditate on the spiritual body without having the qualification? And what are some things that could happen to someone who tries to do so? And let's say, okay, that happened and someone figures that out, then uh, what what's the course that one should take to take care of that? Uh-huh. Well, um, I think that um, one of the things that I really appreciated amongst the Himalayan yogis, sadhus and so forth, is that uh, when asked uh, philosophical questions, their answers were what I would call uh, philosophically very basic. Very, very basic. Like, you can't live for stay forever. Everything's temporary. Um, 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 you know, you, you, the Atma is different from the body. Happiness lies in the Atma, not in the body. The body is changing. I mean, these are very basic. They're not complicated. They are for the ordinary person, but for persons who have been involved in, for example, a Gaudiya Vaishnavism for years, and it, these are just real basic truths. But the, um, the emphasis on uh, practice and putting in into um, into practice these basic basic tenets is so laudable so um, um, uh, correct if you will and so powerful that the the fact of the matter is that many many theological arguments which are very interesting stimulating in a way have no um, they, they 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 don't have the power to do what um, giving oneself and one's energy to these basic practices um, can do for you. And so, you know, when you would get answers from Prabhupada, sometimes when you ask a more complex theological question about, let's say, the nature of the spiritual world, he might say something like, why don't you, you know, go there and find out. I've told you how to go there and find out for yourself and experience it. Why don't you experience how much can I put that into words? And if I do, you know, that may, the implication would be that may satisfy your intellect for some time and so forth. But the intellect hasn't quite an appetite of its own. And, um, um, we have to tame it and we have to, um, feed the soul, not the intellect. We have to again use our head, as I often say, to soften our hearts by applying ourselves in practice. So to, you know, to give all of your energy to uh, like a Himalayan yoga that I let's say for example I'm not the body and then try to put that into practice that's hugely powerful uh, and uh, um, affording of 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 experiential um, spirituality uh, way more than studying a book and learning 
you know, whether Krishna is compassionate to the conditioned souls or he's only compassionate, for example, through the devotees who, who are the extension of himself because they have experience of suffering. He doesn't have experience of suffering because that would mean he was in ignorance. Therefore, he doesn't have, because he doesn't have experience, he doesn't have the empathy. His compassion is only reserved for the devotees who are within the influence of the Sarup Shakti. I mean, it's a complicated theological argument that's interesting and so forth. But, I mean, applying yourself to that, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it, 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 it's useful to a point only. Um, and, and what we find, to get to your question, in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, uh, with the, uh, the, you were quoting there Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Bhajan Rahasya, um, and which is a kind of a commentary on Shikshastakam. He has his own commentary on Shikshastakam, but, um, the, um, Bhajan Rahasya is, 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 is another one. And, um, there we find this and we find further that emphasis of Bhakti Vinod and to a greater extent by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, um, who wouldn't even let his disciples read certain books, wouldn't let them read Ujval Nilamani. He restricted them um, from reading sections of Chaitanya Charitamrita, like Auntie Leela, they couldn't read. Their main focus with regard to Chaitanya Leela was Chaitanya Bhagwat. And this was not um, to deny them of you know participation, but to, to help facilitate their experiential participation in, in spiritual life by emphasis on, you know, the basic uh, practices, if you will. Um, so this is a characteristic of our, um, our party bar. Now, some people, uh, the members of our party bar, disciples of Prabhupada, even hearing about things that Prabhupada was not teaching or emphasizing the Siddhadeha, for example, and so forth, we're intimidated to think that, uh-oh, I didn't get a Siddhadeha. Guru was supposed to give me the Siddhadeha, according to, you know, somebody I just met. And he, he's giving me all these precedences from the Sampradaya and the history. And this is how you get the Rag Bhakti. And, and you have to get the Siddhadeha. And you have to serve in the Siddhadeha in meditation, along with your Deha. And, you know, you didn't get that. So, you know, you're not getting everything. And neither, for that matter... Are you in an unbroken Guru Parampara? I mean, Bhakti Siddhanta, you know, where's his Dikshapatra, his letter that says he was initiated by Gorgashor, which has a list of the different gurus, you know, in the succession and what their Siddhadeya is. So they heard these kind of things and they were intimidated by that to think that they were missing out on something. Hmm? There was something lacking. Um, one of the things that uh, repeatedly that the Himalayan yogis will say, is if you ask them, what's the most important thing? And they would say, the, the mantra given by my guru, that's everything. It's like, duh, you know, every, I mean, everything's in, in the mantra. Gopal mantra is, is revealed in the Gopal Tapani. That Shruti, that text that sheds light on Gopal and the means that that, that the reality about him will come to light is through the uh, utterance of meditation on the mantra received from the guru, the Gopal mantra. Um, Brahma received the Gopal mantra 
as described in in, in Gopal Tapani, as described in, in Brahma Samhita, and he realized Krishna. And of course, then there's the Hare Krishna Nam mantra as well that we receive. So all the entire wealth of the whole spiritual world is within the mantra and within the name. Within the name is the Leela, the Parshads, all the associates of, of, of Krishna, his form, his rupa, his guna, his Leela, and so forth. So the emphasis of Bhakti Vinod and Bhakti Siddhanta, more so even, taking the lead from Bhakti Vinod Thakur, was on uh, Nam, Nam Sankirtan, and, you know, Mantra Dhyan also. Uh, he gave mantras, he gave Diksha, and so forth. Um, and um, there, 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 there's, there's any number of examples that you could cite. Gopal Kumar is an example of Sanatana Goswami. He had his mantras, Mantra gave him every, Mantra and Nam. In the end, the efficacy of the Mantra was reached, and then through Harinam, hmm, he, he entered into Smarnam, in conjunction with Harinam, out, rising out of Harinam, and he attained Goloka. So there are so many examples of this. Now, what, and, 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 and so Bhaktivinoda his emphasis, and appropriately so, was, well, we should practice, but we have to practice relative to our Adhikar. So some practices, we may not, within the context of Rag Bhakti, we may not have Adhikar for and have eligibility for. Hmm? And so um, until the eligibility comes, then um, we should um, conduct ourselves otherwise. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is probably the best example. He did Nam Kirtan. He did preaching widely. And as a result of that, he was drawn into this meditative life of the, that we find in the Antilila internal life where he could no longer be a public person hmm? uh, he wasn't capable of being a public person anymore because of how he conducted himself in the public sphere hmm? so without having conducted oneself in that way to try to enter into the meditative life and uh, and example of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the Anti Leela would be just really to skip over everything that's taught in the in the, in the in the in the in the Madhyalila, if properly understood, he is, after all, Krishna in his um, uh, Acharya Lila. So he's teaching Achar means example, a character, teaching by his example. How did he conduct himself? These teachings weren't absent about Rag Bhakti as he as he as he spoke with Rupa and Sanatan um, um, and converted Sarvabhoma and so forth. Um, uh, the teachings were there, but how he was applying them. So he was giving the teachings, sharing the teachings, and and uh, conducting himself, as I say, in the, in the public sphere in such a way that the way he conducted himself drew him. And then he had Adhikar uh, to, you know, for that kind of uh, pursuit. Bhaktivinoda's kind of simple logic is that, well, if you want to meditate on the Siddhadeha, you need to have a taste for that. Because if it's not driven by a taste, you, you won't be able to keep it up. It may be interesting, stimulating, intellectually, exciting. Wow, I'm getting something that I, this is it now. Now I'm getting it, you know. But that may then obscure the fact that you've got something hmm? <laughs> that you're not using. Hmm? Your sadhakadeya and applying it in such a way that it will result in the natural arising of a siddhadeha 
and and the meditation upon it and so forth. Um, so in our paribar, then uh, we want to give a theoretical understanding of this, but emphasize the practices by which this can come about. Our gurus don't come and give us a sit a day and say, "Here's your sit a day," and by the way, this is your guru sit a day and his sit a his sit a day and his gurus and his gurus. Now you meditate on that and, and give you some kind of mental map, you know, Vrindavan and what's happening at different times, and um, and this should be your 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 sadhana. There are people that do that, um, and uh, you know, it, 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 excuse me, it, it is a. Uh, 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 it, it it's it, by and large or to a large extent my experience is it's not resulting in in um, um, that which it's supposed to result in um, um, and often results in something that is undesirable. So that was experienced by Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Many people were giving Siddhadeha and saying that, you know, you have to get from me, I'm from the Nityananda Vamsa or the Advaita Vamsa and and and, um, and th- then those gurus would be supported by the disciples and so forth. And um they're over times, their character was 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 not good. Gaudiya Vaishnavism was not uh, something at the time of Bhakti Vinod that pious Hindus were uh, giving much attention to, hmm? because of the um, abuse in the name of Prem and Leela Smarnam, which are very attractive ideas and so forth. Um, um, and there was a lot of immorality. Um, 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 in the name of, you know, parakia, um, bhajan, par- actual material parakia was going on in some places. So, they, you know, they were seeing this, um, Bhakti Vinotak or Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsvitak. So they, they sought to make an adjustment in their focus that we could get extraordinary results like, like my Guru Maharaj, who had the power of Nityanandapu to go all over the world. I heard somebody the other day, some Babaji guy, and he said, fellow from Nityanandavamsa, he said, well, I was reading it, something someone had sent me, uh, that, you know, he said, that, yes, uh, you know, um, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu predicted that the holy name will go to every town and village, you know. And that was done, I think, around 1965, you know, someone did that. But now Rag Bhakti, hmm, now that has to be, that has not been given. That, 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 that must be given. Hmm. As if, and, and, and the implication was that was going to happen now through me. That's going to, I'm going to do that. You know, I just had, I had a laugh, you know. Um, first of all, to just say, you know, somebody did that in 1965. What it did, what, what kind of self-sacrifice Prabhupada embodied to, you know, bring that about? What kind of Vaishnava he was that hundreds of people in countries that he never went to would chant, chant Hare Krishna just, Knowing about him and start a temple, you know, through the influence of his disciple, other disciples that went there and so forth. I mean, it's just, it's super extraordinary in what he did, what kind of shakti he had to, to make that happen, to fulfill that prophecy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And to think 
that, oh, yeah, somebody did that in 1965. <laughs> what did they do? What, what did that, what kind of power does that take? Krishna Shakti Vinenahi. Tar Prabhartana. Vinenahi. Without Krishna Shakti, no one can effectively, Chaitanya Charitamita says, spread Sankirtan. Mm-hmm. The Sankirtan of the, of, of, of the holy name. So what is that Shakti? Um, so to you know, to, to, uh, it, 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 it's kind of silly. So we 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 see practically that in the name of well, you know, following Rupa Goswami or Haridas Thakur, Bhajan. This is what it's really about. Bhajan, live on the bank of Radhakund. You know, establish yourself there with a little hut or no hut and chant Hare Krishna. And this is right there. That's the essence of all the teachings. So we we should all run over there and so forth. Well, there's like that's 11 or so teachings in that book, Upadesh Amrita. And there's a, it's a, if you study it carefully, you see there's a progression that's going on there. Hmm. Yeah. So just the jump there is, you know, is, 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 is often has often resulted in giving Gaudi Vaishnavism a bad name. Hmm. It has resulted in um, in cheapening this ideal. Uh, some of the godbrothers that I mentioned who uh, left Prabhupada for this kind of uh, ideal um, uh, the ones that I know um, mostly became well some of them became scholars. Hmm. Prabhupada told Nitai, the disciple Nitai, first become devotee, then become scholar. And he said, why not become scholar and devotee at the same time? Well, he's an example because he became a scholar <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he didn't become a devotee. Hmm. He, you know, he's like not, not a practicing devotee, hasn't been for, you know, for who knows how long. He may come back around to it. He, he has some, some identification with it and so forth. But Prabhupada's instruction to him was very pertinent. And, um, you know, he didn't, he thought he, he, he could dismiss that. Um, um, you know, there, there, there are others too. So, uh, you know, you know, you have, you know, Jagadananda, uh, Pandu and, or, you know, what was his name? Um, um, Ranyagarbha, Pandu and, um, Nadia, three disciples of Prabhupada. All left uh, Prabhupada's mission and become followers of of Lilith um, Prashad. Nadi is you know nowhere to be found. Uh, Pandu has become a Gornagarbhav follower, among other things, which is something that Bhakti Nanda himself um, dismissed. And um, Hiranyagarbha, well, he he became. Um, uh, influenced by the Sahajya Vaishnavas, uh, so-called, then he ended up in in, 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 in uh, university, become a scholar. Many years later, uh, uh, he had opportunity to read the manuscript of my Baba Nubada and Tata Sandarbha, and he contacted me and we got together. And I was somewhat helpful in in. Um, Getting him back involved in uh, in, in Gaudi Vaishnavism, um, but um, you know the original idea that I, I believe that he was and others were 
drawn by was like, wow, there's something missing here and we're going to get it here. And it's going to be, you know, very quickly, this is going to happen. Um, but it, 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 it doesn't happen so quickly. <laughs> so, uh, there are any number of examples of, of, of that. I mean, you, you, what you, what you find nowadays is people leave the party bar of Bhakti Vinod and largely due to, um, what the ISKCON is, is in that party bar. Um, whether they use that term or not, and they, you know, they're their largest group, and and um, they've had some problems with uh, spiritual authority, uh, kind of commanding the the faith of others and compelling them. And so, you know, some people have left um, and um, gone to these other sectors where the Siddhapranali is given, and in in, in in you know. In, 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 without that kind of ID card that we're, that we're, we're, we're talking about. Sorry. Um, and, and then they become the best disciples of that, you know, guru who nobody knew about previously. And now they want to take him to the West and take them of his words and print them in English. It's all coming from the power of the, you know, residue of the, of the Bhakti Vinod Bhavar, where we have some Shakti to do something for Krishna consciousness in the world. Um, which, uh, you know, if one applies oneself, it should result in, in, now you can misapply yourself in the name of preaching too, and that, there's plenty of examples of that. So there has to be a corrective, you know, to that side, but, but, um, anyway, all things in, uh, you know, in, in time and with, uh, eligibility. Hmm? Um, Hope that answers your question. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, the last question is it's all the way from Minneapolis. It's from Parmanant. Yes. Hi, Krishna Maharaj. This is my businesses. Are you able to hear me? Can't hear you. Can see you. You look very effulgent. Permanent, if you do the English, if you click on the, at the bottom, it says, I think it says interpretation or English or something like that. If you choose English there, it should be okay. Are you able to hear me? Yes. Please accept my obeisances. So my question is in relation to what I've read um, in the second canto, ninth chapter, Srimad Bhagavatam. Um, there we see Lord Brahma is uh, surrendering to uh, the Lord's uh, instruction. And uh, when Lord Brahma is telling uh, Narada, he says that he's instructing Narada on this, what he heard from the Lord because of Narada's submission to him. And we see this is emphasized by Srila Prabhupada that when we approach the Guru, um, surrender has to be there. So my question is, what is, what is being surrendered? Um, because we can see that sometimes we can say that, oh, Guru Maharaj is a liberal or a conservative. Therefore, I'll follow whatever Guru Maharaj says. That doesn't seem exactly correct. Uh, at least in my own thinking so far. Um, but at the same time, Guru Maharaj might also give us instructions on what are practical things that we can do that to 
make progress in spiritual life. So that surrender also has to be there. Um, so that that's my question, Maharaj. Uh, what is actually being surrendered? Can you approach right. that? Right. Thank you for your question. Well, uh, we've spoken about this at length, and it's worth repeating um, many times over. Um, the the what gives one eligibility to tread the path of bhakti is shraddha. So that means faith in the efficacy of bhakti. Hmm? And we need faith to traverse any path. We need to believe that there's going to be a result, a desired result, in order to have the energy to you know, take up the task. But with regard to other spiritual um, uh, paths like dhyana and yoga, you need more than faith. There's other things that you need. Now within bhakti, all you need is faith and as you apply yourself in bhakti, you become more qualified to, as we were saying earlier, to adapt other practices in bhakti. You can't accept, necessarily apply yourself to all of them. Um, you can't, for example, very effectively meditate unless the chitta is, is cleansed and you become free from material desires because They'll just distract you. Your mind will be focused on them, right? So it's very practical. So, so faith is the, is, is the, uh, um, eligibility. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur very wisely has said that faith means faith in the scriptural argument. That's true, but that's not the whole definition of faith. Hmm? The whole definition of faith is Sharanagati, is the application of oneself in relation to the spiritual argument. Mm-hmm. So the spiritual, scriptural argument, I should say. The scriptural argument is there. What, 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 Sambandha Gyan. What are you? What is matter? Who is Bhagwan? So on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So faith that if I want to arrive at perfect knowing, I have to have a perfect method. My instruments are imperfect. They're, they're acquired as a result of functioning in ignorance. Um, they're not, they're imperfect. That doesn't mean they don't perfectly work in some respects, but in terms of giving comprehensive knowledge, they're imperfect. So with my eyes, I can see perfectly, well, it's, you know, 2020 vision that, uh, in front of me, that this is the letter K for Krishna. It's objective, but as far as and the totality of my material instruments, mind, senses, intellect, and so forth, uh, no matter how I apply myself with them, I can't arrive at perfect knowledge with them. So the perfect method is, is to, is to see that the, understand that the world reality is bigger than me. I'm a part of reality. Reality must reveal itself to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if, if God wants me to know, I can know. If the infinite wants to reveal itself to the finite, well, it has infinite capacity to do so. Mm-hmm. Thus, the finite can do what it could not do on its own. So this is just the basic uh, math, if you will, uh, of uh, revelation. Mm-hmm. Our argument for the need for revelation to arrive at comprehensive knowing. We've seen for uh, as long as human existence has been around, People have been trying to arrive at perfect knowledge by which they can become perfectly happy. And the only people that we could, we could remotely, 
the only people that we could consider, maybe they have perfect happiness, perfect knowledge because they have perfect happiness, would be the few and far between sages and rishis who are satisfied with nothing. Hmm? Right? I mean, they do stand out if we look at carefully, if we, if we, if we it, 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 it speak to us that, you know, that they're, they're, they're driving fulfillment in a way that exceeds all of the efforts to arrive at fulfillment and happiness and the knowledge that requires the knowledge and the consequent action that follows uh, put together. Hmm? You put all that together, these people are happier. Hmm? So uh, now you may want to ignore them because, well, you know, who can do that? Or they're weird or you know, we can't understand their happiness. Hmm? There must be some, you know, some problem in their brain that they don't need to eat as much or whatever, you know, and they can make it sit for long periods of time. But their own testimony speaks loudly to us. And this testimony is, is cross-cultural. So you can find it in his Catholic saints. You can find it in the Sufis. You can find it in the Hindus. You can find it in the Buddhists um, um, and, and so forth. Uh, they're they're uh, tapping into the perennial, if you will, uh, you know, philosophy experientially and reporting on it. In a basic way, they concur. Now, details of their experience, they may differ on relative to the path they've taken, you know, to, to enter into that experience. So, so we have faith that there is perfect knowledge and we seek it through a perfect method. And this is the perfect method to fold our hands, right? In Sharanagati, in surrender, we give up. We're not trying anymore the other way on the strength of our material faculties. Hmm? Um, but we're inverse. We're going the opposite way. We're, we're using our material faculties to go within. Hmm? And so wisely, as I say, Bhaktivinoda said that faith is defined by some as, as faith in uh, the scriptural argument and that's true, but it's not the whole story because it, the whole story is applying the scriptural argument. And now we get to the basics, right? <laughs> what we were talking about earlier, basic application. And so, uh, and, and that, he said, is called Sharanagati. That is called Sharanagati. Now, uh, Sharanagati is a, itself a limb of bhakti. Um, According to Rupa Goswami, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur has emphasized this this particular limb, mm-hmm. and um, appropriately so. It's we find in in it's a, it's prominent in the Ramanuja Sampradaya for people who have no other qualification, mm-hmm. they could do Sharanagati. So they're not qualified by karma or by gyan, mm-hmm. they can do Sharanagati. So it's sixfold. Mm-hmm. So it's sixfold. Um, and Bhaktivinotakura has written uh, songs, several songs for each limb of Sharanagati that one can sing, hmm, learn, um, uh, to 
and, and in that long for, pine for, aspire for that limb of Sharanagati to become part of my very life. And so for the, so the culture is a culture of Sharanagati. Hmm? But it's, it begins uh, in one sense by accepting what's favorable for bhakti, rejecting what's unfavorable for bhakti. Hmm? So it, it, its core is said to be that Krishna is my protector, Krishna is my maintainer. Um, so to put these things uh, into practice, practically that will be done differently for a monk than from for a householder. Hmm? But the the process will be the same, but the way it will go about will go about it will be slightly different. A householder needs some income for the family. Um, and so on and so forth, and uh, and then he or she has extra, uh, what do they call it, disposable income. They should dispose of it. <laughs> throw it. Uh, you know, the yogis will tell you throw your money in the Ganga. We'll say, you know, throw it at you know, in Vaishnav Seva, and some Vaishnav may you know pick it up and, and use it for Krishna. Good for you. So, um, so. Um, so, so again, a householder or a person earning will apply themselves slightly differently, but the principle is is the same. The monk needs to maintain himself too. He needs, you know, some donations or or, or um, um, get get up and travel and pick up the uh, fruits that have fallen from the trees and the roots in the ground, and you know, he has to make some effort, right? So the householder has to make effort a little differently, have a means of livelihood for the, uh, the husband and wife to provide for the children and so forth. Anyway, so but the principle is the same. So we should study Sharanagati and try to apply ourselves to what it means to um, surrender. And this is what the guru is teaching. The guru is teaching. He's, he's, he's giving faith, sharing his experience, which is contagious so we catch it and we have the faith in krishna bhakti through that medium through which we have ourselves you know been um um in touch and 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 the contagious effect has has, uh has, has captured our faith and so um um we see the example of the guru, so and that applies to Sharanagati. We have to try to conduct ourselves, and, you know, relative to our adhikar. Uh, similarly, um, and so on. So, um, and of course, you know, if you get specific instructions from the guru, then you know that that's another thing. Then that that's okay. Then they should do that. Prabhupada used to say, practically his whole his whole life, his whole success was based on just following the orders of his guru to print you know books in in English. He uh, he took like a suggestion from Bhakti Siddhanta and called it an order. Just uh, it was his one mindedness to do that. You know, come to he tried to go to English speaking countries. Ultimately, he got passage to America. And his focus was on writing his books and printing them, and and we were then we were very much involved in helping him to circulate the books and so forth. And the whole movement grew out of that. So um, you know, if the guru has a mission, like we have a mission, 
uh, we have a, a sangha and so forth. There are things that um, that I would like to do, uh, for example, for the members, that, and they require members' participation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the is now helping me to engage other other devotees and things we'd like to do, and it requires funding and so forth for those who are not living, you know, in an ashram. So this is kind of a practical way of speaking about it. Um, Guru has his own or her own disposition, as you mentioned. Could have some conservative perspectives. Could have some. I've got both liberal perspectives that I identify with, and um, conservative perspectives that I identify with. I'm not a bigoted person, and there there are um, neither am I a flaky person. So. There could be there could be extremes on either side, right? That uh, to the point of absurdity, just demonstrating that these uh, worldly perspectives have their uh, limitations. Mm-hmm. Well, we should, you know, leave the world. Mm-hmm. There was a time, just as an aside, in the United States where the Christians, Christian right if you will, politically speaking, is a big um, voting block and, 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 and influence. There was a time when they were not involved in politics at all. Was not there something for them to be involved in? I think that would have been you know, uh, better for them um, spiritually and similarly for um, devotees. Now, some devotees, it depends how, how I mean, this is the liberty mark. You know, we're leaving the world now. Everybody is not as qualified to leave to the same extent. So, to that extent, they're going to be plugged into the world, and then relative considerations may loom larger for some than others. And there may be times in the world where it looms large for all of us. Its conditions, and we have to pay attention to it, right? If there's a nuclear war, we might have to pay attention to it. How could we avoid it and so forth? But for the most part, we we know it's going to go on. And um, and even if it blows up, it's going to go on. And and it's the same thing going on over and over again. It's the transformation of the modes of nature. Our concern is with another world. And we uh, have the capacity to be a member of that world. It starts with understanding the Atma as... Uh, Nitya Krishna Das and applying yourself accordingly. So, I mean, yeah, Sharanagati is is the term for surrender, and it has, a, you know, a uh, concise definition. Um, it may extend, as I say, to apply to who gives you uh, instruction. Then, personally, you should feel blessed by that. Try to take that seriously. It's also possible the Guru may give us an instruction, and we may say. That is a good instruction. This is the problem with applying myself to it, given my circumstance. Then he may reconsider and adjust and so forth. Um, but my instruction to all of you, if you're not living in the ashram, is to help the projects, is to do your sadhana. Hmm? Try to apply yourself as a sharanagata to, to the practices of bhakti and to help the sangha practically if there's ways that you can be engaged um, uh, with your energy 
or and or uh, financially, you know, then it will grow. It's, it's, it, should, it should be your project. <laughs> it's for you. It's your project. So make it wonderful. That should be your fun to do that. Does that help? Yes, Maharaj. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very nice to hear your voice. I think that's the first time I've heard your voice. It's a, yes, it is. You have a nice voice. And uh, I see you have a nice library behind you. Okay. Yeah, it's a collection of books. Like I said, I collect the books right. that I don't necessarily read. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's about all the time we have, I think, um, for today. Appreciate the questions, and I hope to be with you all next week. Go Premanandi. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keep